Welcome to the Trinity Radio Podcast. This podcast has a video component found at youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. This means you might miss some visual aspects of the show, but it shouldn't have a serious negative effect. We'd love it if you'd run over to the YouTube channel real quick and subscribe. And if you enjoy this content, do us a favor. Take a moment to give us a five-star review on iTunes and mention a couple of things you like about the podcast. If you really appreciate the show, you can help make it better and get extra content for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash trinity radio. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm so glad you're here on the channel that loves atheists. I'm Braxton Hunter, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about some tweets from the genetically modified skeptic. Uh, I'll just call him Drew from now on, probably. And uh, and I have to say, uh, I kind of like Drew. Drew has always been really friendly. He's even sent me some friendly feedback, or not feedback, but uh, responses before. So it seems like he tries to be a nice guy. But today he's talking about... Uh, William Lane Craig and what William Lane Craig has to say about demons and demonic possession. And Drew finds this appalling and dangerous and abuse. And uh, Drew is the one and all of the people like him who have to pick up all the pieces when people like William Lane Craig get done uh, talking about the idea of demonic possession. So uh, we're going to just go ahead and jump right into it. And hopefully this will be beneficial to you. So Drew says, um, this is still fairly recent as of this recording on his Twitter page. It's like only a couple of tweets down. And he says, just going to throw it out there as a reminder that William Lane Craig, quite possibly the most revered authority on apologetics among Protestants, probably, believes that demon possession, which looks like mental illness, is real and requires exorcism to fix. This is dangerously ignorant. Now, um, here's the thing. Uh, It is true that many people in the atheist community find this absolutely absurd that we would believe in uh, uh, the Christian God. Uh, and then of course that we would believe in demons and angels and all these kind of things. And uh, there's a lot of mockery that goes on as a result of that. Um, I, I just, I, honestly, I, a lot of these people that run these YouTube channels, they were Christians like just a few years ago and affirmed all these things. So the idea that you act like it's just so shocking that they believe these things. I mean, I guess now from your new perspective, looking back, you might think it's shocking or find it shocking, but it's not like you weren't in this culture not too long ago. Not all of you, but some of you. And I think Drew was, I mean, he like went to a Christian college and stuff. So, I mean, come on, Uh, you're aware of this. It's not surprising. And another reason it's not surprising that William Lane Craig would be talking about this and uh, other Christians is because it is a system dependent belief. Christianity uh, affirms the authority of the Bible. And the Bible says a lot about demons. Big shock that we believe Christian stuff. Um, not too long ago, uh, another atheist YouTuber was uh, thought it was odd that in one of my videos I said, um, yeah, we're Christians. Expect us to say Christian stuff. And he's like, why would he say that? That doesn't make any sense. Because of stuff like this. Yeah, it shouldn't be surprising that we say Christian stuff. In fact, I, I just want to show you something that um, I think is kind of funny. Here's a guy. There was a, there was a Twitter guy. Um, see, I, I never spent much time on Twitter. 
Uh, it's toward the end of the day. I'm being casual, so if I'm a little snarkier than usual, that's not my intent. Um, but it's my co-host coming out in me. But uh, but I, I, I never really spent much time on Twitter. But once the YouTube channel kind of started getting some traction, um, I noticed that people were talking about it on Twitter. And so I thought, okay, I guess I need to be there and at least see what's being said and add my two cents where I can. And I found out what a dumpster fire Twitter really is. And we all know it. I mean, that's, that's just the reality of things. Uh, but... Um, there's there, every now and then there are people that I have to block, which is odd because I almost never have to block anyone on any other social media platform. It has happened on YouTube a few times, but, but, uh, there, there's one guy who made it his calling in life, uh, to, to sniff out. And that's his terminology. People who are Christians who believe in demons. I can make his job a whole lot easier. Most Christians believe in demons. Why? Because they're Christians and the Bible has a lot to say about demons. Jesus had things to say about the demonic. So um, anyway, this guy uh, discovered that I believed in demons and had a conversation. I mean, he kept on Twitter just arguing with another atheist YouTuber, Shannon Q, because Shannon Q was saying that people are not just because someone believes in demons. Uh, I'm sorry, just because people are Christians and, and are believers and they're religious doesn't mean that they like have a mental disorder or something. And this guy just couldn't handle it. He didn't like that. She was friendly to me and, and things like that. So uh, he goes around posting this whenever he gets a chance. So I'm going to help him out and just share it with a whole bunch of you here. Um, this is uh, sniffing out. I just love it. Sniffing out and cataloging this stuff is my jam. Might have seen Braxton Hunter being patted on the head as reasonable by some fellow atheists also. And he's talking about, uh, you know, people like uh, Shannon Q, Paul Ogia, Godless Engineer, people that I've had friendly interactions with who, um, uh, you know, have been have been cool with me. I mean, how dare they? And so what he's got here is he's got some some things he wrote down from uh, on the right there from from where I said some things about where I thought that I was in the midst of spiritual warfare at a particular point. Most Christians talk about spiritual warfare. It's not a big surprise. And uh, I, I, I felt like I was in the midst of some spiritual warfare, a demonic attack from the enemy. And as a result, um, I think prayer is a good thing to do in, in such a situation. By the way, this is what Paul says to the Corinthian church, that he um, had a messenger of Satan and prayed to be delivered three times and uh, all these kind of things. So this is totally biblical. This is just something you can expect. He's also got a thing here from Randall Rouser, where Randall Rouser is uh, talking about um, something to do with demons. So he just thought this was just appalling, and he's, he's sniffing us out and exposing us as though this is some kind of a scandal really wants to get it out there. So everybody knows. And, um, I'm happy to let everyone like that. There's no scandal. Like I'm, I'm not ashamed to tell you this, that I believe in angels and demons. Uh, okay. Um, so I just, I just think that what, number one, whenever atheists who were Christians like yesterday act like it's so shocking to discover that Christians believe in demons, and I'm not necessarily saying that's what Drew is doing. It smells a little that way, but I, I, I yeah, I like Drew. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but, um, it's, come on, I, I'm not, I'm not buying that completely. And then, uh, and then this, this like witch hunt for Christians who believe in demons. I don't understand it. Most Christians believe in demons. Okay, so uh, he's shocked that, so Drew is uh, upset that, uh, if not, if he's not shocked, he's at least upset that William Lane Craig believes in demons. Now, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here. The important issue here is whether or not demonic possession or oppression is a real thing, right? You can call it abuse. You can say it's horrible that William Lane Craig is talking about it. 
you can you can find it unbelievable and, and offensive and you've got to pick up the pieces and all these kind of things. Um, we'll get to that. But um, if it's true, if it is, much of what Drew says falls away. If it's true, if it's true, then then taking that into account isn't necessarily abuse. In fact, it would be helpful. It'd be a good thing to have in your awareness and perhaps in your arsenal as, as you're trying to help people. Now, one of the things that you'll get from psychiatrists working on this is that there have certainly been abuses. I'm talking about the subset of psychiatrists that actually believe that demonic possession is a real thing and are, are, are uh, investigating that, doing research into that, is that there have certainly been abuses. We all agree there have been abuses. That doesn't mean, though, that there have to be abuses. It's like saying there were people in the 20th century who are running around doing frontal lobe lobotomies on people in an abusive way, way more people, just all kinds of people doing these lobotomies. And um, therefore, since that was abusive, brain surgery is intrinsically abusive when we should never mess with people's brains or study people's brains. All right, that would be absurd, right? Um, and in the same way, if the demonic is real, then it's, though there have been abuses, and I will join you, Drew, in chasing down abuses where people are exercising demons for you know ridiculous, you know every little ridiculous thing. I agree with you about that. I'll be your advocate alongside you with that. But that doesn't mean that William Lane Craig is doing anything wrong by speaking as though demonic possession, in his opinion, on his worldview, is a real thing, and that, that, that there hasn't been any defeaters for that yet in responding to Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think that was from an interview that, I think he's referring to an interview that Craig did uh, with Cameron Bertuzzi. Um, so I think that's an important thing to say. It's it, What matters is, is it true or not? Now, let's go ahead and look at some other tweets that he, he, he went on, a, you know, he, re, he tweeted several in a row. I've had to do that before because Twitter doesn't let you say a whole lot. He says, he believes that mental illness, still talking about Craig, is real, but encourages his followers here, I'll, I'll do it like this. He believes that mental illness is real, but encourages his followers to believe that demons can cause similar symptoms, including things like seizures. This idea has caused the abuse of countless mentally ill people throughout history. Those who encourage it encourage abuse. Now, there again, we're talking about abuse, and it's the question of whether it's, I mean, there have been abuses. There's no question about that. I will stand with you against obvious abuses when there's a locatable mental health issue or medical issue that obviously needs to be dealt with. I will stand with you against abuses um, and, and that sort of thing. But the question of whether it's always an abuse or suggesting that the demonic is real or that possession might be a real thing is always abusive is just raising the question of whether it's true or not. Um, and that's obviously needs to be said. Okay, yet William Lane Craig, he says, is praised among Protestants as a brilliant intellectual to the point that uh, where disagreement with him is often taboo. I mean, I don't get that. I disagree with Craig on some things. Most of the people I know disagree with him on some things. Doesn't mean he's not awesome. <laughs> I'm one of those people, like, it's really cool. Let me get away from this for a minute. Because there are those people who, like... Uh, uh, because it's become like such a thing among apologists that like William Lane Craig is the guy, right? That it's almost become with some apologists like, well, you know, Craig's blah, blah, blah. And it, it like downplay the, the, you know, William Lane Craig is the, well, I mean, yeah, William Lane Craig's great. But no, 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 I'm sorry. William Lane Craig is awesome. Okay, William Lane Craig is fantastic. I have no problem saying that he's one of my personal heroes, and I'm not going to like water that down to sound like some kind of an apologetics hipster here. But uh, anyway, let's let's get back to it. But but I mean, I I still disagree with him, and, and lots. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anyone who I don't know of any of the people that I work with who agree with him on everything. Okay, 
or think it's taboo to disagree with them. He says, let me be clear. The view above isn't scholarly. It's not evidence-based. It's dangerous. William Lane Craig is excusing the abuse of millions simply to guard his theology. Let's go ahead and read tweet three. When he says these things, Christians take him as an authority, viewing him as a scholar comparable to any academic leader in STEM fields. Well, he's see, now this is something we got to clarify, right? Because I think atheists, and I don't think Drew would do this, but a lot of times atheists speak as though scientists and people in STEM fields are like the, the clergy of our day, right? And that they are, they, I mean, that, I mean, that's why you get questions. There's a famous video where a little boy is asking Neil deGrasse Tyson on stage, what's the meaning of life? Neil deGrasse Tyson's opinions about the meaning of life carry him no more weight than the average Joe on the street because he's not a philosopher. So, I mean, the, the, what does William Lane Craig, what is he an authority in? The things he's an authority in, that's what he's an authority in. People in STEM fields are authorities where their authorities lie, where they did their uh, work, where they have their degrees. I mean, that's that's how that works. I think Drew knows that, but I just want to clarify for anyone else out there. His ideas on this issue are based purely on ancient myths, which he can't disavow without undermining his career as those myths champion. Now, notice he said he said before he's on that, that Craig. Um, let me let me make sure I get this exactly right. Um, he, William Lane Craig is excusing the abuse of millions simply to guard his theology. And then he says um, he can't disavow without undermining his career as those myths champion. Okay, uh, now we're going to get to the rest here in a minute. But first, Drew, I don't know if you're going to see this. I don't know if you pay attention to a channel like mine. But Drew, is it possible that William Lane Craig actually cares about people and thinks all of this is the truth about the way the world is? Is that even a possibility for you? I mean, we've all got to make judgments about whether or not we think particular people are being honest with us or whether they're reliable. So, I mean, maybe, maybe you don't think so. I'm going to speak to that towards the end. But is it possible that he really believes this? And I mean, nothing you've said shows me that you don't think he believes this, but is it possible he really believes this and as a result cares about people and that's why he sends the message that he does? Is that a possibility for you? Because if so, he's not just doing it to uphold his theology or just doing it to be the champion of what you call myths and the um, unflattering use of the term myths, right? Uh, but anyway, on the subject uh, that there's nothing scholarly about this, the idea that, that this is just completely ancient myths that people just completely take on a bad colloquial definition of faith that's just belief without evidence or something like that. There's actually a new book out by Dr. Richard Gallagher. It just came out in October of this year, 2020. Uh, Gallagher is a board certified psychiatrist in New York, a professor at the New York Medical College in psychiatry and is on Columbia University's faculty. Moreover, the foreword to the book is written by Joseph T. English, who is the Sidney E. Frank Distinguished Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioral Studies. And this is uh, and this is what this is a book about his 20 plus year history. I should give you the title of the book, shouldn't I? Uh, let me just I, I don't. I'm in the middle of it, but uh, demonic foes. Yeah, um, this this is his explanation of 20 plus years of looking into this, researching it at an academic level in a scholarly way. And don't take my word for it. Joseph T. English, again, Sidney E. Frank, distinguished professor of uh, psychiatry and behavioral studies, says this about 
in the forward about uh, Gallagher's book. As his past academic chairman for many years, I can attest that Dr. Richard Gallagher is a multi-talented psychiatrist and a highly respected clinician who is also a valued teacher. He embarked on a serious scholarly study long ago concerning the fascinating, if controversial, subject of suspected demonic possession. Contrary to a widespread belief, such phenomenon not only continue to be reported in today's world, but they still defy easy explanation as simplistically conceived medical or psychiatric disorders. Dr. Gallagher brings his trained intellect and unimpeachable integrity to bear on the investigation of such states of possession and has undoubtedly direct, directly encountered more of these hard to explain and intriguing cases than any other physician. Okay, that's pretty high praise. Um, from a pretty credible source. But let's hear from Gallagher himself. Now, I'm not just going to be reading the rest of this show, but I do want to get this out there. Let's hear from Gallagher, 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 Gallagher. I'm not sure. We'll go with Gallagher himself um, on on the perception of this uh, in the modern world. He says, quote, many Western secularists cannot conceive of the existence of demons. We certainly get that from tweets like this and from uh, the kind of you know, YouTube atheism that, that I've been describing and showing you. Um, but belief in a spirit world and attacks by evil entities is more mainstream than widely assumed. Large majorities around the world believe in a spirit world and in states of demonic possession. Um, in this country, talking about America, and early, an early third millennial poll found that 70% of citizens believe in evil spirits and just over 50% of Americans believe in the possibility of demonic attacks on humans just who is out of the mainstream here? Now, that's a pretty, pretty uh, important statement. Like you do realize that I, I realize that you, you see this as very important and I can put myself in your shoes. I mean, trust me, Drew. Trust me, Internet. I say this all the time on this show. I live in the same world you do. I watch the same movies. I listen to the same music. I've seen the same political circus here lately. I'm not unaware of how we sound to you. But I want to also help you understand how you sound to the majority of the world today and the majority of the history of humanity. Uh, the, the, the idea that there is not, that, that, that naturalism is true, that there are not spiritual entities like this, is an extreme minority. Now, that doesn't make it false, right? There have been people who are minorities who actually turn out to be true. But in the world, in human history, is an extreme minority. Still today, it's a minority position. So I just think that... Um, he's right to end this with just who is out of mainstream here. I mean, put yourself in perspective and recognize that though you, you know, when you say things like this, you may think that people hear you like, ah, well, I mean, this is the most rational position when the most people hear you um, aren't so convinced that, and then you have to ask yourself, am I in an echo chamber here talking to other atheists or what? I mean, I, I don't know. Now there are certainly people who, as I said before, have abused. This still happens in highly charismatic churches where, you know, everything from a cough to allergies, it, there's a demon behind every bush, right? Um, even if some of those people have the best intentions, and I'll fight alongside you, like I said, when it comes to those kind of people, Drew. But the idea that Craig's words, which are going to be heard by those, by the way, interested in the faith and reason and worldview discussions, um, are going to support widespread abuse reveals a lack of awareness of how cautiously this is handled by those who are taking it the most seriously. The kind of people that are listening to Craig, if they are thinking deeply about this and working on this at all, there's a great degree of caution. And those are the kind of people that are going to hear that kind of message. It's not going to be the 
hyper charismatics out there who are exercising everyone's sprained ankle or whatever. Um, he, here's some more of what Gallagher says. Most doctors will never see such a case. Now, th this he's talking about how rare uh, he thinks and the people he knows in this realm, how rare they think this is. Recently, uh, Capturing Christianity had um, an exorcist on there from the Catholic Church, and I think he likewise talked about how rare this is. Most doctors will never see such a case. Even the vast majority of clergy are likely never to encounter a genuine possession. Now, as someone who believes in the demonic, I don't know whether that's true or not. I'm just giving you what this guy who's done all this research on it has said. Um, he says, many believers are surprised when I say that of the 25,000 or so patients I've assessed in depth over the course of my career during my normal professional workday, none were possessed. The cases I've concluded were possessed were always either sent to me by clergy or were found to me only after hearing of my expertise first and seeking me out on their own. No ordinary patient, and I want you to listen to this, no ordinary patient has just strolled into my office and then been surprised by a dumbfounding diagnosis of possession. Never happened. So the, the idea that, that, oh my gosh, people are just going to left, right, and center be abusing people with this. Um, I mean, I... There are abuses. Craig would speak against those as well. He goes on to say this, and this will be the last thing I read in terms of a block of text here. I've worked hard to develop a system of investigation based on my psychiatric training and experience. I never officially diagnose someone as being possessed. I do this for several reasons. First, it is not a clinical diagnosis that can be shoehorned into a conventional and scientifically responsible psychiatric diagnostic category. Because possession is a spiritual problem, not a psychiatric one. No laboratory or cognitive mental status tests exist to register that information using medically established categories. Instead, I ask one basic question. Do the patient's symptoms have a natural or scientific explanation? I may begin to answer this question as need be through a physical exam and standard rounds of medical tests, such as blood work, to search for chemical abnormalities. I especially make sure the patient isn't suffering from an, from an odd seizure disorder or other undiscovered brain damage. To rule these out, I may schedule a brain scan or an EEG if indicated. If appropriate testing is negative, I rely upon a full narrative assessment and symptom survey that I always conduct. I always generally interview, or I, I also generally interview friends and family to confirm all details reported by the patient. To the untrained eye, Many possessions may be thought to fall into the psychiatric categories of various psychoses and severe personality and dissociative disorders. Or they may seem to happen to individuals who are prone to suggestibility. However, for well-trained psychiatrists and other health professionals, possession differs from such disorders in significant ways. There's others, you know, M. Scott Peck famously, uh, B.A. degree, magna cum laude from Harvard College and M.D. degree from Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine. Uh, he also did a work very similar, you know, did, did research and stuff very similar to what Gallagher has done here. So, um, yeah, I, I just bring all this to bear when people listen to Drew talk about Craig. Oh, it's just all these myths and all that. OK, maybe, maybe. Although, understand, when you make a claim like that, you now bear a burden of proof because you are actually claiming not just that you lack a belief, but that you actively disbelieve, right? This is the hunter dilemma. You're, 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 you actively disbelieve in demons, right, if you're, if you're saying that it's just a myth. 
Um, so let's look at tweet number four and let's see what tweet number four. Let's go down here. Where did I do it? There it is. Oh, here we go. Um, his encouragement of these ideas protects his career while harming those who trust his authority. This is an intolerable abuse of his influence. Use William Lane Craig's excuse of you can't prove demonic possession isn't real if you want. You're leaving the rest of us. You're leaving the rest of us, I think he meant, to clean up your mess. Okay. Um, the rest of us have to clean up your mess. I have no doubt, Drew, and others who will listen, and I'm not taking it light, lightly. I'm as upset about abuses as you are. It's just that you would call things abuses that I don't think are necessarily abuses. Um, but I have no doubt that certain people you talk to, because Drew puts himself out there as a person, uh, Shannon Q does this as well, a person who people come out of Christianity and then they share, you know, they go to the people like that for uh, counseling. I, I, I think of them as, um, I forget what I called them, uh, activists. Uh, they're like advisors. They, they serve as a pastoral care sort of um, situation for, for people coming out of Christianity. And so I have no doubt you're going to hear things from people that are wild, especially if they're coming out of those kind of churches. Um, and I will stand with you against that sort of thing. I mean, it's keep in mind that for many of us who are Christian apologists, the, often the easiest thing for YouTubers, I'm not saying Drew does this, but the easiest thing for YouTubers who are atheists to respond to are the most extreme or fundamentalist examples of Christianity. There are a lot of us who would speak out against those things as well and do speak out against those things as well. Um, and so I have no doubt you've heard stories like that. But that you can't lay that at the feet of Craig because, frankly, most of the people that go to the kind of churches that are just casting demons out of everybody's busted lip or whatever else, they, they don't, and, and, and you know, uh, casting coronavirus out and all the, I mean, it's not that we don't pray for healing, but that that's the result of some kind of a demonic possession every time there's something wrong. You know, those kind of things, those aren't the kind of people that listen to William Lane Craig, okay? The kind of people that listen to William Lane Craig, I'm not saying that though they're so, sm so much smarter than everyone else. But they are people who are interested in the, the dynamic between faith and reason and worldview discussions and all these kind of things. Uh, philosophy of religion. So, um, you know, I, pick up the pieces. I'll help you pick those pieces up, Drew, uh, although I don't think you'd want me to because I won't disavow the demonic. Um, and if, again, if you're going to call them myths, um, you know, in his last, in the last, uh, last tweet that he put up there, let's see, his encouragement of these ideas protects his career um, harming those who trust his authority. This is an intolerable abuse of his influence. Uh, you can't, okay, use William Lane Craig's excuse of you can't prove demonic possession isn't real if you want. Now, what I hear there is, and we're going to get to the, the passion with which he brings this, because I appreciate the passion, and I think the passion comes from a good place, although I think that it's misguided, misdirected here by directing it at Craig. Um, but uh, th this last line, is, is I think him brushing off the fact that he recognizes, according to the dilemma, right, that he has now said this is a myth. It is not true, which means he bears, if we're going to do this right, he bears a burden of proof to demonstrate the non-existence of the demonic. Yet he's not going to do that. So he's, he's covering it up with passion, which is to, which is to say, I, you can say that all you want. I don't care. We're actually having to deal boots on the ground with people who are suffering because of this. Okay. Okay, but I do see that as a brushing off of the fact that you do bear a burden of proof there. But I just want to say something about William Lane Craig and, the, and Drew. Let me just say, Drew, I'm glad you stopped short of saying 
Craig's just in it for the money and opted instead for teaching this protects his career. Now, several times in this, in this tweet thread, he's, he said things like, well, this just protects his theology or this, you know, protects his myths that he's the champion of. And this protects his career. It, it sure sounds, I'm going to give you the burden of the, uh, the, um, the burden of the doubt, (laughs) the benefit of the doubt. (laughs) I'm going to give you the benefit, not the burden of the, of the doubt here and say, and, and assume you don't mean this, but because it is so often said ideas like that apologists don't really buy even what they're selling, but they're just saying it because this is what, you know, this is, this is how they make their money or they're in it for the money or whatever it is. Um, Drew hasn't said that at least not outright. And so I'm not going to saddle him with that, but let me tell you something. W- William Lane Craig is someone who I've spent time with. I was with him for 10 days in Israel and I've been at conferences speaking with him. And uh, this is true about him. This is true about Lee Strobel. This is true about Mike Lycona. This is true about Gary Habermas. This is true about Sean McDowell, as best I can tell with these people that I've spent time with and many others, Mary Jo Sharp, Mark Middleberg. These people <laughs> are not these liars, these horrible people who just want to hurt people and, uh, and, and are just in it for the money. I mean, you know, <laughs> these people care about people. That's really what it is. They really believe this stuff and they really care about people. Now I know I'm telling you that as one of these, um, deceptive apologists, right? But I'm just telling you, it's not the way it is. In fact, I was actually privy to a conversation where a pastor of a very large church wanted to arrange to have William Lane Craig speak at a major event in his city. And I was there when he was asking, he was like, Hey, Seriously, though, money's, you know, there's a price tag for everything. What do I have to pay to get William Lane Craig here? And and uh, the answer was, well, it doesn't work like that. Ah, come on. There's a price. I mean, let's just dream here. Fifty thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars. And the response that came was, no, 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 you don't. You're not understanding. Craig won't come no matter the amount of money you're going to give. That's not what it's about for him. He won't come if you gave him one hundred thousand dollars. He won't come unless he sees it as strategically good for the kingdom. That is to say, there's going to be a lot of college students there, a lot of unbelievers there, something like that. Um, a guarantee of a large enough space to accommodate those people. That's what he's in. He's not in it for the money. I mean, you just, I mean, I, the idea that I see so, so much all over the internet that these guys are just liars in it for the money. And that, I mean, all I can say is that is absurd. And you can say that, but to those of us who know these people and have spent time privately with them when they're kind of let their hair down, it's laughable. I mean, it's laughable. That's not how it is. And it's sad that you think that about these people. You can disagree with people, but to impugn their motives when you have no idea and you have no idea of the sacrifices that they've made in some cases, um, it's offensive and it's absurd. Uh, But again, Drew, I'm not putting that on you. I'm just using what you've said as a diving board, a jumping off point to make that comment because we are talking about Twitter and things like that. Now, ultimately, as I said, what this all comes down to is, is it true or not? That's what it ultimately all comes down to. If it's true, then there may be abuses, but it's not intrinsically abuse. Um, And that goes for a lot of things. That goes for the subject of hell. For example, here's uh, Alex O'Connor 
talking about how he sees teaching children Christian doctrine as it relates to hell is child abuse. Listen to what Alex says. Definition of abuse is to use something to bad effect or for a bad purpose, i.e. misuse. Now, education is hands down the most important part of a child's upbringing. Um, and I believe that by telling children that there is only one way to interpret the world and the beauty of the world, and that they will go to hell if they reject it. I believe that to be a misuse of education. And to go hand in hand with that, the denial of a proper scientific education in favor of ancient superstition is also a misuse of education. And denial is a form of abuse. If a child were denied food or water, you would consider that abuse. If a child were denied a proper education, you would consider that abuse. And so I would argue that denying a child the right to live a life that isn't burdened by guilt and the fear of eternal punishment is abuse. Okay, now here, here we go again. He's saying that teaching children Christian doctrine, including a doctrine of hell, um, really bothered him. You know, he, he, earlier in the video, he says, you know, I, even now I find myself sitting on a bus sometimes thinking, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner. I'm going to die and go to hell. And how awful that is that he has to live with that. Now, here's the thing. That may be something that he, that, that atheists live with. And I mean, you listen to the atheist experience. They regularly get calls from people that are scared about hell and all these kind of things. I have a whole role that I, I mean, wait till you hear my uh, presentation from the Rethinking Hell conference that I just got back from this week. I did a whole presentation on what atheists say about hell. But here, here's the thing. I, I realize that hell, for example, and this could be true about the demonic, is terrifying. Even to atheists, after they're atheists, it's terrifying. And I agree, it is terrifying. Whichever understanding of hell, whether it's the conditional immortality, annihilationist understanding of hell, where you just die, or you, are, you, know, you are, suffer commensurate to your crimes and die, whichever view you take, or if it's the uh, old eternal conscious torment view, um, whether it's literal flames or non-literal flames, all the views of hell, even the C.S. Lewis great divorce one where uh, the door to hell is locked from the inside, you know, the great divorce thing where you, it's just basically um, eternal conscious boredom or something, yeah, um, or nothing tastes right, nothing's all that exciting, everybody gets what they want, but it's all miserable. Even that is terrifying. All the views of hell, to me, are awful. Okay, I get it. So atheists think it's terrifying. They think it's traumatic. I mean, that's part of what... Uh, what he's arguing here that is traumatic. But here's the thing. It may be terrifying and it may be traumatic. There's a lot of things that are terrifying and traumatic that you need to know and that you need to believe and that you need to be taught because they're true. For example, uh, a smoker finds out that he may have a horrible illness that's going to severely uh, change his life. That is a terrifying concept. And being told that would be traumatic for sure. But if it's true, he needs to know so that he can function accordingly. If a woman uh, is engaged to a man and someone suggests to her that he's cheating on her, that will be terrifying. That truth about a lover will be traumatic. But if it's true, she needs to know. And in the same way, the, there are abuses when it comes to the demonic. But... Um, and with hell, frankly. But if, if hell is real, if the demonic is real, if it's true, it may be terrifying, it may be traumatic, but you need to know if it's true. And if it's true, I'll agree with you still that there are abuses. However, 
even it doesn't mean that intrinsically talking about it or investigating it um, or suggesting that the demonic is real is itself an abuse that just presumes that it's true. So in the end, what when we get to the passion that um, uh, Drew brings to this, you know, I, we're the ones picking up the pieces and it's ignorant and it's dangerously ignorant and all that. What's he really saying? Well, he's presuming that his that it's false. Right. And that his position is the correct one. Right. Um, but all he's really saying, since he's not talking about whether it's true or not, not providing reasons, and admittedly so, is he's just saying the stakes of this are really, really high. This is really important. And I agree. The stakes are really high on what you believe about this. It's really important. We agree. But that doesn't answer the question of whether it's true. It's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like if a, if a pro-choice person came up to me and said, listen, the issue of abortion is so important. It's so, you don't understand. It's so important. And I'm going to say, I agree. Yeah, it is so important. But that doesn't speak to whether the child is a person or whether that's morally right or wrong to kill that person in the womb, right? That, that doesn't, we're just agreeing that it's important. So I can agree with Drew that the stakes are really, really high about this, but that doesn't speak to whether it's true or not. And what's true is going to determine whether you're teaching the right thing or not, or functioning appropriately. Um, with the hell thing with, uh, with uh, uh, Alex, you know, he says, um, he says, hey, the most important thing is education. No, no. Education is not necessarily the most important thing you can give a child. The most important thing you can give a child is love. And here's why. If you make it your primary goal to educate a child, you may or may not end up loving them. But if you love a child, you will end up telling them the things that they need to know to live through life. You will educate them. And, um, and so love is the most important thing there. But the question is, even if you think education is the most important thing, I, I agree. Education is very important and that it you I'll even go with you. Maybe it's an abuse to educate children wrongly, but that just raises the question. Who's educating them rightly? You or me? What's the truth about this? So in a sense, I appreciate the passion and I agree with the passion that Drew brings to this because I care about people and I think this is really important. But it all loops back to the question at hand. Is it true? Is Christianity true? I'll see you next time on Trinity Radio. Mm -hmm.